¿Qué pasó, gente? You are tuned into another episode of the Chicano Podcast, also known as Chocas. I am your host, Belon, and this is being brought to you by Steve Garcia and Chicano. So what's the deal? What's up, everybody? I hope everybody's feeling good. I hope everything is going well. Today is August the 14th, Friday, Central Standard Time, around 8.28 a.m. Here in Dallas, Texas, we've been hitting... uh, 100 degree days for like the last man it's been been hot it's been real hot man and for the last 7 to 10 days it's been just brutal and um I don't know what y'all's weather's like out there but um nah I can't really wait till it starts cooling down I've been um thinking a lot lately <clears throat> obviously this um episode is going to reflect um you know certain values and um in the title of the uh episode today it's inherent And it is a part of who we are and why that's important and why that needs to continue to be a theme for us. Um, You know, not just because I said it, but because we need to understand that if we can get everyone to really understand the significance of buying into that idea we start to gain our own political power i'm starting to think that there's other forms of politics um it just isn't voting and um the economy Has a hum that has a very significant role in that. You know, they say everything is political. It is, um, in some way, in some context. Uh, you know, you can change or manipulate your thought process to understand how that could be political. And obviously, I mean, it could be subjective. I guess, you know, if you're not really politically minded to think, you know, as a naysayer, but. The central theme is They need us We don't need them And um, I 
we don't always need to describe ourselves. We don't always need to define ourselves. We don't always need to answer. You know. We can have a narrative that's built on Chicano values. And that's it. And if you don't like it, that's fine. If you do, that's fine too. But some things only are going to be understood by us, our people, our struggles. All the things that we go through as far as maybe not being able to find a job, as far as trying to raise your children in a dual society, you know, with uh, two languages or, you know, being discriminated against, you know, looking for a job or being discriminated at a job for being a Mexican-American, for being discriminated against, period, for not being allowed to um, do a lot of things, being looked at weird, you know, that type of discrimination, um, a lot of people might sit there and say, stop beating up a, a, um, a subject that's already been beat up. Well, the only reason that I'm bringing it up is because we're talking about something different. And today we're talking about politics. And if it was such a played out subject, then I pose this political question. Why are we not in the political spectrum? You know, why are we not in leadership? Why am I seeing indigenous Native American leaders in other countries being ousted by right-wing ideologies and people in cahoots with the United States for capitalist reasons. You want to call it democracy? That's fine. But capitalism and democracy and religion most of the time go hand in hand. And I just want you to understand those similarities when you start to look at politics. You know, I'm not saying the government is the culprit every single time, but I mean, when it comes to this thing over here. In Bolivia or all these uh, coups and all these uh, things that have plagued all these uh, knocking off of leaders, all these scandals, all these uh, drug cartels um, that are in Central America have a lot of ties to agreements with the United States, a lot of coups with the United States. They have a lot of um, interest to the United States and capitalism. A lot of these companies want to go over there and buy things, do things, and they can't do it because there's people in the way. 
And um, the reason also that I'm having this opinion today is because I want you to look at what our government does and see it as a, rep a repetitive theme that's perpetuated over and over and over and over again. And once you start to see that, you know, not only do they do that, because I, I've heard not only do they do that one time, they do it again and again and again, and they do it to more than one people. And and I want to I want to I want to think about a theme or um, uh, a quote. Um, and I'm not I'm not going to say it correctly. And when I find it, um, I'll I'll bring it back to light. But um, it's basically like the idea if one people in your society are not free, then nobody is really free. And I think this is where people get selfish. They look at like, you know, me, 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 you know, F everybody else. I don't really care about everybody else. You know, like, you know, they got their own struggle. I'm living good. I ain't got to worry about it. I think that a lot of people, in America, I think most people in America think like that. Everybody out here is just selfish. Nobody wants to help nobody. Nobody wants to look after nobody. Everybody's so when the shit hits the fan, you're going to be in the same position and ain't nobody going to care about you. And I think that's kind of way that um, the government's smart. They understand that we think like that. And I think they have the media uh, that trains us to pity, get, pity each other against each other. So we kind of get into that top of mind frame. But what, 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 what I really want to focus on is that when you think like that, then when it's your turn... You can't complain about it. So, good example, right? Black Lives Matter. I'm not going to beat this up for a long time, but I am going to bring it up. Um, because our people are involved. Our people are trying to do the right thing. But I think our people are also smart enough to know that we need political alliances. I just hope that everybody starts to think that way. And I know some people are saying, you know, don't do this or don't do that or just do it for us or what about us. And um, those are all valid questions and those are all valid arguments. I'm just not going to um, talk about that today. Because the big picture, again, and I've said it in many uh, episodes is that, you know, we need to just knock off the common enemy that we have, the white supremacy, the elephant in the room. We need to get rid of that. Then, <clears throat> maybe we can move to all the other minor, um, I'm not going to say they're minor because, I mean, they're, they're big deals when, when things happen to our people, but um, you know, a bigger deal is getting rid of, um, like I said, that elephant in the room uh, that causes us a lot of grief. We have a common enemy um, and that racist attitude or that racist um, racism in the country, that inequality 
it's not just us, but it's them. And I think that's kind of where I want to bridge the gap and say that, you know, the show is about things that happen to us. And if you see all the things that happen to our people, because Chicanos are indigenous, you know, If you look at Native Americans and you look at Oklahoma, you look at the Trail of Tears, you look at um, the incidents that put people in jail, like Leonard Peltier, who are only defending themselves, we have no rights. And um, this is something that's going to come back and bite other people in the ass. I think that right now capitalism is going through um, some big time problems. And I think that our government is just full of lies. Our government is just full of false promises. Our government is full of um, treaties that were never honored. And those treaties are just negotiations. Those treaties are promises. Um, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, I think those are all fallacies. Those are um, to make us believe that we have a foundation of truth that we can trust. And as far as I'm concerned in, in saying that the government is full of shit, is it until they start honoring their agreements and still they until they start honoring the constitution and our our rights you can look at them and they don't honor our our rights there's plenty of rights they don't honor you know I don't even think there's anything such as uh, land ownership anymore. We can talk about that. And the inequality of people, there's no... They don't look after us. They look after the corporations. And if you start to look at, you know, the way that everything is going uh, right now... Um, especially with the NASDAQ and the stock system, uh, the stock market. We're in a recession. We're in a depression. We're, um, we're getting bamboozled. And if you don't believe it, I mean, just look at um, the GDP, gross domestic product. Look at that. We are in an economic downturn. It's comparable to the 1930s. In the last few months, I think since COVID-19, the jobless rate has tripled. Tripled.
The other day I heard that there um, there are shortages on change and uh, dollar bills. I don't know. That sounds kind of creepy to me, you know. Because there's a lot of things that banks do. Um, to make change and uh, money um, actually more valuable uh, than, I guess, the electronic digits inside of the computers. And um, the way that they're able to manipulate the um, finances because they they can create money. They can distribute loans. They own everything. They own all the property. I don't think we ever own it. And even if you think you do, you can still lose it for not paying taxes. They know that. They know all the money. They know who's got all the money. I mean, if they know all this information, don't you think they can, like, manipulate, lie, cheat, steal, deceive, like, the government always has? I mean, you know, this isn't, con this isn't like a conspiracy show. I'm telling you that... This is how money is created. Money is created through issuing loans. Once you issue loans, um, or you have like your receivables, now you can start extending loans. Let's say for instance, somebody puts in $100 um, into the bank. Now that bank is able to loan, I think it's like, what, five or seven, maybe even nine times that amount. It's a lot. And once those loans are created, now you've just created money into the economy out of thin air. Only because of that one receivable of $100. So at the beginning of the show, I was saying they need us and this is really what I'm trying to get into your heads it's not um, conspiracy related or anything like that it's that you know you may think that okay well you know I'm just an average Mexicano or I'm just an average Chicano or I'm just an average uh, you know indigenous person you know I mean I'm not um, European so I don't count you know, or, you know, we don't have any people like us in politics, so they don't care about us, right? A lot of us get that into our head. They don't care. Look, we're not even on TV, yada, yada, yada. You know, I'm sure other minorities in the country think the same way a lot of times. You know, I don't make that much money. I only make, you know, 25000 I only make $35,000 a year. You know, these guys that are making, you know, $100,000 a year, yeah, maybe. But me, no. You're twenty five thousand. You're thirty five thousand dollars. It, it. They need us. All these big companies, all these big Procter and Gamble's, Glaxo, Smith, 
uh, what is it, uh, that one that just uh, is in cahoots with 23andMe. Now they're starting to sell all our DNA. Some invest investor firm went in there and mm -mm -mm. a lot of things going on. But what I'm saying is, is that um, they need us. You know, they need us to pick the fruit, even though you think that that's not a big job. They need us. They need our little pocket change. They need our little uh, $100 um, deposits to make the loans. That's very political, man. I know a lot of people um, have been talking about boycotts. And um, those are also important. If all Chicanos or all Mexicanos or all indigenous people or all Native Americans, because we have many different tribes, right? But if we all started to say, listen, we don't have no political power. Let's get some political power. Uh, you know, who has the real influence on the politics today? It's the companies. It's the stock market. Uh, NASDAQ top 100, top 500, top 400, the NASDAQ 400 or whatever, you know. Oh, okay, so that's Amazon, that's Microsoft, that's Apple, or that's uh, Procter & Gamble, or that's, uh, you know, General Mills, or that's, you know, the gas companies, oil, gas, Chevron, you know, whoever. And you can boycott them too. But none of us know what each other are doing because we don't have no media means. We don't have no way of communicating. We don't have no um, ways of distributing these ideas amongst each other. And they do that for good reason. There are no nationally syndicated shows to talk about Chicano themes, Chicano values, Chicano stories, or indigenous at that, or even black at that. You look at um, a lot of these shows, like what you have on TV, the news, they're all the same. They're owned by the same people. I have episodes about that as well. But, you know, when you look at um, who owns the narratives these narratives are not themes or values or ideas or stories that like really include us, our struggle, our plight, or our politics. And I think that's, that's important. And that's why I encourage people to not only do um, what I'm doing but maybe even become a part of this network. Become part of this particular network. You're obviously listening to my show. Maybe you come back and listen to another one. Maybe you come into um, one of the groups you know that I have on social media. Or um, maybe you do that tomorrow. Maybe you did that yesterday. Maybe you do that today. I don't know. I don't 
um, push that agenda, right? I'm just saying that it's an idea. It's just an idea that, uh, you know, we need to start developing our own groups, period. Even if it's not mine, you go start a group. You go start a community group. You go start something in your community or go find something in your community that starts talking about like where we need to be financially, what we need to be uh, voting for politically, or even why it doesn't matter. At least if you become involved, then you at least know, okay, well, if it doesn't matter, then how do we make it matter? Where's the real power in all this? Is it an understanding? Because no matter where, how you look at it, we have political power. I'm not saying not to vote. I would never say that. That's your right. And I think that no matter what, it doesn't take a whole lot of time or effort. Yeah, you should definitely vote. But I also want you to understand that, you know, a lot of times we're not voting for somebody that really has our agenda, you know, behind them. So don't be surprised after you vote for that person that they just up and die of old age or they just don't do anything for us or it's just the same old, uh, you know, same old. I don't remember anything significantly good happening to uh, Chicanos or Mexican-Americans the last time, um, you know, we had, um, was it Obama and we had uh, Clinton? I mean, I like the Clintons. I like Obama. I mean, they look cool on TV and everything, but what do I know that they did for us, you know? I mean, I've heard negative things. I mean, I, I know, I know. There's a lot, a lot of negative with with um, all of them. I mean, I can't stand Trump, right? I, mean, I guess I got to put that out there, or else everybody's gonna think I like him. But you know, it's inhumane, you know. But, I mean, that's a good subject right there, just for a second. Let's, 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 um, let's make a lateral move for a second. Treating children that way. Our children, our people, our gente. Whether you want to admit it or not, those are our people. For all you Trumpsters, I'll point the finger at you right now. For all you guys who think y'all are doing the right thing. This is why politics may not really be for us. Because whether you vote for this pendejo that wants to lock up all our kids. What have the Democrats really said on their platform that they're going to do for our children? I'm not, I'm not advocating against them. Don't get me wrong. Let me take a step back because I'm saying that, yeah. 
you got to go with the lesser of the two evils. I hate hearing that. I hate saying that because it sounds so parrot. Like it's a parroted statement. Vote for the lesser of two evils. I'm not a fucking parent. I got my own mind. I can think my own way. And what I'm saying is, is it has Biden or any of the Democrats for that matter said that they were going to do anything in particular to free all of our children? I don't think so. They haven't put anything on paper. They haven't said anything that is a definitive declaration. A concise exact statement this is what I'm going to do on day one I'm going to put families back together I'm going to find every parent I'm going to find every child that's missing and put them back in their families that is so horrible that our country would even be doing something like that this is part of the reason why I think it takes a critical thinker to think that, you know what, if they were doing this before Pendejo Trump, they're probably still going to be doing it afterwards. You know, even if we uh, get what, even if, let me, let me even go a step further. I really liked uh, Bernie Sanders. I wish he would have stayed in. I liked him a lot. We don't always get what we want. But even if he would have gotten in there, what... I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. What do you think would have changed? Would he have gotten rid of some of that? Would he have gotten rid of all of it? Would he have gotten rid of a little bit of it? You know, or would he have just... not done anything? Or made it worse? You know, like, what, what would have happened? I I would have loved to find out. I was I was down to vote for Bernie. I guess that's why I'm not really excited about voting for Biden, but I'll vote for him. They sure ain't gonna vote for the other guy. But my point is, is if a country's willing to do that, this goes back to that statement where, you know, if not everybody's free. Or if, if one people ain't free, nobody's free. And if they're willing to do that to kids, yeah, you better believe they're willing to do, do it to you. Dispossess the children from their lands. Dispossess the families from their family members. Treat them as if they're foreigners. This is just the most, you know, idiotic statement where you can take people that are from the lands that they've migrated on for tens of thousands of years and convince people that they are immigrants and the people that came here in the last 100, 200, 300, 400 years ago in the last few hundred years the people that have just got here you convinced the whole world 
that those are the natives, the Native Americans. Those are the true Native Americans. That, to me, that just sounds so stupid, you know? Wait a minute. The immigrants are the Native Americans and the Europeans are the Native Americans. Come on, you can just look at the color and tell that, like, you know, hey, wait a minute, those people that they're putting on the Greyhound or in the uh, hotels, they're crying. Uh, they look like Indians to me. And I'm sorry, but all those people that are saying all these bad things and all in political office, calling themselves Native Americans, they look European to me. Politics. This is politics. I'm only labeling for the politics of this. To describe the politics. Just as I heard somebody say the other day, when you call in, uh, you know, a 911 dispatcher, you know, to uh, file a police complaint or whatever, you know, they ask you who the assailants are, the criminals are. Describe them. What do they look like? They're. A white man, sir, or a Hispanic man, sir, or a black man, sir, or an Asian man, sir, six six five six four six. Here's their height, heavy build, light build, medium build, uh, red shirt, blue jeans. You know, those are things that were, it's not um, necessarily to be um, racial, you know, their descriptions. And politically, the description really doesn't fit the narrative. The narrative is breaking the law and being on legal soil as a sovereign person who has the real nationality of the Western Hemisphere. 500 nations, 500 nationalities. The United States is a government. Again, none of this is conspiracy. All you got to do is just look it up. That's why they don't want Chicanos. That's why they don't want Native Americans. That's why they don't want indigenous people talking about sovereignty. That's why they don't want us talking about politics. That's why they don't want us talking about nationality or nationalism. That's why they don't want us talking about race. Oh, this is where the mestizaje comes in. This is where the story of the mestizo comes in. This is that narrative that changes all those dynamics. They're... There's no, no Indian race. There's no red man race. There's no Chicano race. You guys are a bunch of, what do they say? They start talking about 
here here's a pretty nasty here's a pretty nasty uh thing to think of for a second there's only like three animals if we want to say animal because i don't know what else to say but they, they say there's only three animals in the world they judge by blood quantum The Native American is one of them. It's human, obviously. A dog. And a horse. Why are we the only human that's considered by their blood quantum? I want you to ponder that question. Really, really, really think about it. Why are we the only human on the face of the earth that anybody gives a damn about our blood quantum? think it has anything to do with our government hmm I would say it does been trying to exterminate the Native American for a long time. And there's just something um, in Google um, that, that I found. It says, blood quantum emerged as a way to measure Indianness through a construct of race. So that over time, Indians would literally breed themselves out and rid the federal government of their legal duties to uphold treaty obligations. The one drop rule measured the amount of black blood that black people had in a society. I don't know what that last part is supposed to mean, but um, if I took a guess um, to put it into um, proper context, because I'm not sure if you took it the wrong way, I think that, you know, a lot of um, these statements could be taken out of context, but when they say one drop, I think that basically means that, like, if you're part black, I think a lot of times society will consider you all black. You know, like if you're mixed, you're just automatically black. But that's a good point. And I think that's what society thinks by by, by stating that one drop rule. Um, not me. I'm just reading it. And um, I don't want you to get it twisted. 
No. Maybe they don't mean that. Maybe they do mean that. I, I can only tell you what I what I think they mean. Um, that way it sounds um, like it's not meant to be bad. I, you know, I mean, it's on Google. I don't think that Google just automatically put something bad on there. Um, but um, what my what my point is is, you know, we'll just look at we'll take Obama, right? For, for he he's he's a good enough example, right? Because he's um, I know his uh, dad is African and his mom is, I don't know, somehow related to some people here in America that are, you know, in the political spectrum. Um, actually, some, some big, big political people. And, but anyways, um, so he's half. He's half and half. But he's considered black the first black president we ever had. That's that's what they called it. Um so is he rejecting or are people rejecting? Is society rejecting um his whiteness? You know, is that where this black drop of blood rule um is that is that what this rule is talking about? It sounds like it is, you know. It sounds like that's where, you know, you're basically saying that, you know, if you're part black, you consider yourself black. Um, but the reason, the reason that I'm bringing that up is because it seems it works the other way for Native Americans. That, you know, once... Like this, uh, this, this term says Indianness. Once you lose part of your, um, I don't know if you would say race. I guess so. I mean, once you know, once once like let's say your mom married, um, you know, somebody that was not Native American, right? Well. Now, I think what the government is trying to do is consider that person white. And the only reason I bring that up is because, I mean, as a mestizo or uh, mestizaje or understanding what those terms are, um, as a Chicano, all they do is talk about that all the time, all the time, all the time. Everybody wants to say... Um, that they're mixed. Everybody wants to uh, glorify their Spanish roots or everybody wants to embrace and love their um, Eurocentric part of their DNA. You know, and I'm not saying it's wrong, right? I'm just saying that, you know, where's the love for the other side, you know? You look at two babies, one looks whiter than the other, you know, why does that one get more attention? Or why does that one get like, you know, the, oh, he's so handsome, you know, oh, he's going to be this or da 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 da. I mean, are you saying that the one that's darker isn't going to get as much attention? I don't know. Kind of sounds that way. But, um,. I just proposed thought, um, and, um, I think that, you know, right now we have, 
you know, some, 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 some things that we do got to think about as people. And, um, I don't advocate, uh, racism, uh, by any means. All I really do is I advocate, um, the unity and the integrity of our people. And if this is the way, um, that I see things, um, maybe it is a way that you see things and maybe it is something that we do need to talk about and maybe it is something that we do need to try to fix um, in our community and in our society and in our culture and that's why it's important I think to talk about it but um, yeah I just kind of want to talk about the fact that either way you know, however marginalized we are, however minimized we are, however um, people treat us, you know, um, when it comes to um, racism, I think we just got to understand and we got to start talking more about the principles of human respect, life, and what we do in this country. As they do need us. I know that's hard to see that. You know there's so many people. Um, in the country now. You know I mean we're getting close to. You know. 400 million here pretty soon. I think we were at what. Like 330. 332 million. 331 million. Something like that. And I think that the government. And all these people that have a lot of money. Are very few and far between. So that yeah they're scared. There's only a few. Of them. I would say it's safe to say that. You know the top one percenters. Just the top one percent. own like 40 or 60% of the whole country's wealth. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's something it's it is something significant like that. And they have a lot of power tied up in money. But we're a lot of people in comparison. I mean, there's a lot of homeless. There's a lot of people that are going through hard times. There's a lot of people that are not getting their fair shake. There's a lot of people being exploited. There's a lot of people being trafficked. There's a lot of things going on that um, that money could help fix. And um, we need to try to do the right thing. And we need to try to um, understand where our real equity is. Because, I mean, if they've made all this money by exploiting us, then that money, in my opinion, is really our money you know in the in the in the court of law you can't make somebody sign a piece of paper under duress and expect that agreement to hold up you just can't but anyways i'm gonna go ahead and uh bounce out into the next episode i appreciate y'all tuning in and uh until the next episode I had to watch on. Peace.